Do you like talking about money? Well, most people don't. But today, we are going to. Topics like this shouldn't be off the table to discuss, and we're going to go there today so that you can feel confident about living off of a single income and how you can also thrive while doing so. Welcome to Little by Little Homeschool Podcast, where you'll learn tips and strategies that will empower you to home educate your children. I'm Lee Nguyen, a homeschool mom of over 12 years, which includes two graduates. When I started homeschooling, I was pretty much on my own and was desperate for encouragement and help. My mission is to be a source of encouragement and help to you. Whether you are just beginning your homeschool journey or you're deep into the homeschool lifestyle, Little by Little Homeschool wants to help you stay the course because all the time you are investing into your children is completely worth it. If you're ready to take your homeschool to new levels, keep listening. Today's episode is one that I never thought that I would be excited to record, or even if that it was anything that somebody would want to hear. It's just what we did in our story in just a moment and some of the really important things that we have learned over the 20 plus years of living on a single income. And it's just, like I said, just what we did. But I'm seeing more and more moms who want help to maintain their single income lifestyle and be able to continue to do so. I also see others that have ideas and they want to make some changes. They want to come down to a single income and homeschool their families. Or maybe you just need some encouragement that it's possible to start doing this and that it is definitely possible to continue doing so. My story goes a little bit like this. Unfortunately, feminism really had a hold on me until my first baby was born over 21 years ago, and I have been working to unlearn this ever since. So I went to college because that's just what you did after you graduated from high school. Met my husband after that. We dated. We got married. I had a full-time job straight out of college while we were dating, and we got married, and then I moved to a different full-time job because I moved closer to where he was living. Then I, funny thing is, I did that, that full-time job for about nine months, and it was my first job where I was inside in an office. And after a while, I was like, I can't do this anymore. I am not an office person. I can't sit at a desk and just be stuck inside and told that I can't go outside. So long story short, I left that job, went to get a part-time job, and was going to supplement with a second part-time job because we were newlyweds and he worked full time. What was I going to do all day? I had no friends where we were living. I didn't really have any hobbies. We had an apartment, so there's only so much I could do with it. And so I was going to get another part time job. And that's when I became pregnant with our firstborn. And so pregnant, had her, continued working part time, had our baby. I continued to work part time. And after about six months, we were burned out. He was working an overnight shift and then I would go to work in the morning and work like 8 a.m. to 12 noon, and he would stay up with her. And then I would come home and he would go ahead and sleep. We realized we weren't seeing each other at all. And he looked at me one day and said, you do know that if I stayed at work and worked an extra hour or two, and there was hours for him to do so, he said, I could make the money, more money than what you are doing by going to this part-time job. And we could actually see each other. And so he made the decision for me to stay home with her full-time, which was completely foreign to me up until having her about six months earlier. 
I thought that I was just going to go back to work part-time and then maybe full-time. That was just what I was going to do because I had a college degree, you know, and so you have to use that. And so decided to become a stay-at-home mom. And like I said, she's a little over 21 years old now. So that was, well, I said over 20 years ago. So it's actually been 21 years that I have been a stay-at-home mom. And I grew up with my mom being a stay-at-home mom and us living off of a single income. I went to school and as well as my brothers, we all did. And she kept very busy. She canned. She did all kinds of stuff. So I had a sort of front row seat to know what it was like, but it was a lot different than when I ended up deciding to start homeschooling. But let me not jump ahead. Today, I want to talk about some of the ways that has helped us to make it work. And I know that the economy, things can go up and down. And I think over our 20 plus years, we've seen a lot of different things that have come and have gone. And we've walked through a bunch of those. So hopefully this encourages you in today's climate, in today's um, economics and what you are facing. So the first thing is mindset, is just deciding that this is what we're going to do. And we are going to do what it's going to take to make it work. At times, to make it work when things cost more and when maybe our living expenses were more, not because we were being frivolous, but because we had kids in diapers and there was just extra things. And also our expenses were just growing as our kids continue to grow and to eat more. There were times that my husband took on a part-time job. He was working full-time and a part-time job. And so we just decided that we were going to do what it would take to make this work. And when you decide on a course of action or a route for your family, you have a vision for your family, and you decide that this is what we're going to do, and we're going to do what it needs what needs to happen in order to make this work. And so, like I said, there was times that he did a full, had a full-time job and a part-time job, and I maintained everything at home. Was that hard? Yes, it was hard. We also really were conscientious of the homes that we lived in. If you are currently thinking about wanting to reduce to a single income, but your mortgage requires two incomes, you might need to look at making some adjustments. And I know that right now, as of recording this, the housing market is not fantastic. So you might need to be getting creative in how that works. Pray about it. Pray for God to give you the mindset that you need in order to maintain this. If this is what he's calling you to, he wants you to ask for help and he's going to come alongside you. And I have just seen the blessings over the years, but really it is just deciding this is what we're going to do and making decisions that go along with that. You decide you're going to live on a single income and it is a modest income. Well, then maybe you aren't taking a trip to Disney World every single year. My kids have never been to Disney World. At this point, they would have absolutely no desire to go, but they have no idea. Like I said, they have no desire, but we never went. That wasn't an option for our family. To do some big extravagant trips was not an option for our family. Now, maybe you are living off a single income, and that is an option. This is, I'm throwing no shade, don't feel any type of guilt or anything. We were just living on a very modest single income. And therefore, our vacations would look like you would expect. They were just more simple. We did a lot of things with extended family and would maybe rent a home with uh, a lot of other people. And so the expenses were a lot less. We stayed a lot closer. Where can we go that would just be a drive for us? Where can we go on day trips that are either low cost or free? And I'll get into another episode talking about 
homeschooling on a budget because that's something I'm also very familiar with. But just deciding this is what we're going to do and decisions are made according to that decision to live off a single income and to stay within your budget. We'll get into budget in a minute here too. The second thing was that helped make it work was recognizing that others can bless us in times of need and accepting that blessing in times of need. There were times where things were stretched so thin. I had had some health issues and had had a complication from a surgery, and the medical bills were about 10 times more than we expected them to be going into this surgery. And we didn't know how we were going to get out of it. We were in a, in a dire financial situation at that point, and nobody knew, but God knew. And it just, it's not going to bring tears to my eyes now because I'm going to tell myself that it's not going to. But it was just amazing to watch how people stepped in to help us who had no idea that we even had a need. They would say to us, we just feel like maybe we could bless you with this, maybe with some groceries. Maybe it was a check. There was actually even times where anonymous things would show up at our home. But then there was times where people would just ask to bless us or say, hey, why don't you guys come on over for dinner? Just probably recognizing that maybe taking one meal off of our budget would help out and we would say yes. But that didn't mean that we didn't bless others in return. By being generous, we can learn generosity and then we can also accept generosity. And I think God definitely recognizes when we are living in a humble way, but we take what we do have and we offer it. One thing that my family did have, off, have to offer was our home. We always opened our home to things. And this is a little bit of an aside. One way that we would do that in a way that would fit with our budget is that we would maybe, there was many years I had a Christmas open house. I would have friends over for this. We would do couple get-togethers, do game night, is that we would provide the location. I would maybe pick up some drinks and make some punch or something like that and make one or two dishes and ask everybody to bring a dessert or an appetizer. That way, it wasn't fully on me and we could still have some fun. And the cost of it was much lower than us going out on a date night. Speaking of that, okay, I'll get back to that. Let's go back. No, let's go. Let's talk about the date nights. <laughs> We didn't do a lot of those because I would look at it and say, for us to go out and to pay for dinner and maybe dessert and maybe a drink and then pay for the babysitter, it was too much. A lot of times we would have a babysitter come over. We would eat dinner beforehand with the kids, maybe with the babysitter too, and we would just go out for dessert and pay the babysitter for an hour or two. So that's a little, little hack right there. But just that goes back maybe to the mindset and saying, we can't go and do this extravagant gourmet dinner out. But we can go do something small. Maybe we can go pick up some ice cream and go for a walk down along the lake or the river or somewhere, wherever, down in the city, wherever it is that you live in something that would bless you. Okay, so the third thing that really helped us make it work is that we realized that our family vision and the goals that we had for our family and for our children was greater than things or places. In other words, we had an idea of how we wanted our family culture, how we wanted to spend our time, how we wanted our children to grow up, how we wanted to pour into our children. And that was much bigger than owning a lot of things, owning fancy things, owning designer clothing or shoes or accessories or cars. And it was also greater than, like I mentioned, trips and being able to go places and 
to see some extravagant places. We never traveled internationally or anything like that. And that was okay. That's also a part of the mindset, understanding that this is okay. It's okay to live on a single income, whether that is a humble single income or it's a little bit bigger. It's okay to do that and to understand that what you are doing, the mission that you feel you are called to for your family, for your children, the way you want to raise your children and the way that you want to be there for them, have their mother, have a parent there for them is greater than anything else. So keep that in mind. The next thing I do want to mention is that sometimes you just have to make some hard decisions. There might be some big changes. I mentioned earlier that you might need to possibly move houses. We did that. We even moved states about 10 years ago when we were in that financial situation. It was it was all God lining things up. And I look back and I look back at the surgery and the things that I know now, I would do things differently, but it's okay because it got us to where we are right now. And we were in some dire straits, didn't quite know what we were going to do. And my husband was presented with completely changing careers. So this was 10 years ago. We would have been in our late 30s on the cusp of 40. And he completely changed careers and we moved states. We left where we were and we loved where we were. We loved the home that we lived in, loved the area we were in, loved our church. His family was nearby. My family was only two hours away. And we just, we had so many friends who were really like family to us. And we really felt God calling us to move, to leave. And he, in order to take this position, he needed to be living where we are right now in this area. And so maybe God isn't calling you to something that is that extravagant in moving states. Maybe he's calling you to something even more extravagant, but maybe it's just moving neighborhoods, or maybe it is instead of owning, maybe it's renting right now, or downsizing to something smaller, or maybe it is being okay with where you are and really just making it work. But there are going to be some hard decisions, and maybe it has nothing to do with where you are living. It's just going to be some hard decisions. Maybe at times you might have to make a decision as, do we really need two cars? Can we make it work with one car? We actually contemplated that at one point, and I think we did do it for a little while, and it was definitely possible. But Maybe instead of buying something that's brand new, maybe it's buying something that is used. Maybe it's not the best thing. I mean, we're still running on some old cars here that just the other day I was like, oh, my minivan is making these other types of noises. And we kind of laugh and check it out and make sure everything is safe. But there's going to be times you're going to have to make hard decisions. And others may not understand this and they might make a different decision than you. And that's okay. You make the decision that is going to be best for your family and understand there are going to be hard times. However, go back to that third thing that I mentioned is that your family vision and goals for how you want to raise your children is greater than the type of car that you own, the type of house that you live in, the neighborhood that you are living in. It is greater than all of those things. When we moved, this was a little over 10 years ago, and I know some people like don't want to talk about money and stuff. I actually listened to a podcast episode, I think, I don't even remember what episode, what exactly the podcast was, um, but it was a woman talking about living on a single income, and I just couldn't believe how many people think it's crazy to do so because it's just as what we've always done. And she was talking about how they make things work, and I was like, uh huh, yep, yep, yep. She's like, we shop at Aldi. I'm like, yep. You know, all these things. I was like, yeah, you you go, Mama. 
And I'm excited about the moms that are trying to really make this work and figuring out how to make it work. But when we moved 10 years ago, we literally moved for $50,000 because we weren't at that point. We were really struggling with all five of us, with a mortgage, with all the expenses, and we were living very humbly. And it, it was hard. And the hard thing is when you do kind of dive a little bit into money and you start thinking about some of your friends and you start saying, wow, okay, and you start to feel less than because you realize they're probably making more money than you. And it doesn't mean that the one income you're living on, that your spouse, your husband's job isn't good enough, that he isn't worth more. That's not it at all. And so when we moved, I look back now and I just really think, you know, we kind of look back now we're like, wow, I think people were making way more than us and they had no idea. And it was okay. Our kids didn't know, which leads me into um, another thought here at, well, that I'll get to at the end. I forgot. I have the fifth thing here. And that is budget. You have to have a budget. You have to sit down and have those hard conversations. And we have not always been so good about that. I look back now and I'm like, I wish I had been better about that, more self-disciplined. But I want to encourage you now, whether this is you and your husband just in the talking phase of moving to a single income, or if you have been living on a single income and just kind of flying a little bit by the seat of your pants, or maybe just kind of drowning a little bit, whatever your situation is, sit down and actually look realistically at the amount of money that's coming in, no matter what that amount is, whether it is a couple hundred dollars, uh, way more than a couple hundred dollars, a couple thousand dollars, whatever it is, look at it realistically. That a budget? How much money do you need for your mortgage or for your rent, for your utilities? Whittle it down. How much money do you actually have for groceries, for clothing, for shoes, for extra expenses? And I remember just devouring books and maybe then I guess when the internet came out, um, which I guess had been out, but you know, when blogs and looking at that and hear ideas maybe on the radio of how to budget. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me. They're like, well, don't go and buy a Starbucks drink every week. You'll save yourself $5. That'll be $20 at the end of the month. I'm like, I don't do that. It's just funny. We laugh now because every single thing that they would recommend, we already didn't do it. Like, what is there left? And that's when I go back to saying that we moved because 10 years ago it was because we were doing all of those things. There really wasn't much else for us to do except to move, to downsize our mortgage, which we kind of did. Long story short, we stayed in that house a couple years and then moved to this house we're in right now because we felt like we needed even more margin in, in our lives, not just in our budget. But going back to the budget, sit down and have that conversation. And I will be very open and honest and tell you that when we started doing this, I would sit there and I would literally cry because I felt like it was an attack on me because I'm the one that's going out and spending the money even though I'm trying very hard to stay in a budget and I'm trying not to buy the extra thing, I'm not going to Target and just picking up anything that just suits my fancy that I would like to add to my house. No, I'm just buying the essentials. And it just, it, some, it often, it just made me cry. It just made me cry. And so we now sit down every year at the end of the year. Sometimes it's usually ends up being the beginning of the year because the holidays are crazy. And I'm so proud of myself that I will sit there and I will not cry now. So if you are maybe inclined to crying like I am, it's okay. It was just a stressful conversation for me. And 
I look at it now like this is just numbers. Try to not be emotional about numbers. But in the beginning, it can be very emotional. So if you are, that's okay. You and I are in the same boat. You can send me an email and let me know that. And um, hopefully that'll make you feel a little better. But just having a budget, knowing where the ends of your margin are. And I mentioned in the title of this that while we lived on a single income and while we still live on a single income and how you can thrive in doing that, our culture and feminism and others will try to, from the outside, will try to make us feel bad about this. Don't feel bad at all. You are doing what God has called you to and you can thrive. You can feel good about this. You can have joy in this season of life, even if things are really tight, it's will be okay, I promise you. And you will have no regrets about it at the end. We thrived because we never made anyone feel bad if they made more money, if their income was higher than ours. The funny thing is that we, as, as a couple, when we had one child, I was pregnant with my second one, we began going to a church that really became our church family. And we got involved in a small group Bible study and got to know people, just who they were. And as we really got to know them and know more about them and go to their homes, we started to realize we're like, oh, my goodness, we are the most broke people in this group. And it was okay. We didn't judge them or think anything differently about them because they made X amount of money more than us. But then also, they didn't judge us either, which was such a blessing. We would maybe go to their million-dollar home, and then they would come to our little Cape Cod and just kind of jump right in. And it felt so good to be able to find people that you are just in a common season of life with, and it doesn't matter whether both are working or one's making more than you are. It's okay. We also never made our kids feel less than. And I know there's people that will talk to you. You need to talk to your kids about money, and I do get that. And we have done that. And we will talk now about things. Just tonight at dinner, we were talking about a memory my son was having about baseball. And I said to him, no, you didn't go to the snack shack after every single baseball game because they asked for $20 at the beginning of the season and they would put a deposit down. And after every single game, you could go and get something for a dollar instead of having to send you with a dollar every single time. And I had to tell the coach that we weren't going to be doing that. There was two reasons. The first reason was I didn't have $20 for him to do that. The second was I also didn't want him to go over and buy a dollar's worth of candy and then eat that and come home and me expect him to go to bed. Instead, I would make granola bars and we would have fruit and I would have other snacks for him that I knew would fill and nourish him up afterwards. And so I never made them feel bad. I just said, no, 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 I've got some snacks in the car. And it doesn't mean that I didn't ever. There was times where I was like, Okay, I'm seeing that he's feeling a little bit beaten down. And I would say, okay, here's a dollar, but let's not go get the straight sugar thing. Like, let's maybe like water it down by having it in an ice cream cone instead. But we never made our kids feel less than. They didn't notice that their Christmas gifts were from the thrift store or from a kid's consignment sale or from all the stacks of books that we had were collected from library book sales and for garage sales. They never felt less than. They had what they needed. They knew that their parents loved them. They knew that their parents loved each other. And that is what kept them going. And that's what helped us thrive. We decided, my husband, James and I, we decided that me being available to be a homeschool mother full time was worth the sacrifice, the sacrifice of all the time and all the hours and all the energy that I would pour into it. 
it was also worth the sacrifice of not having all the things that we wanted, we had what we needed, not being able to do all the things that we wanted to do, but being able to do what we needed to do. And if we could go back, there's probably, and do it all over again, definitely would do it, but there's probably one thing that I would adjust, and that would be that we would budget earlier and that I would get my mindset into the place of that this is okay and this is actually a good thing and our kids are going to do well. But I have that perspective now. Hindsight is twenty twenty, right? And I can promise you that the way that your home feels, the way that your children feel in your family is much more important than whether you have a brand new couch and you have a big, huge screen TV and you have all the streaming different channels. If you don't have those things, you have an old couch and it's a little springy in the one step, one part of it, and you don't have all the different options of streaming things, it's okay. They probably aren't going to notice. And if they do say something, be like, no, we don't have that, but let's go play game night instead. I can promise you from my hindsight, looking back, that they will be okay, that you are actually thriving right now, and you will continue to thrive. If you would like to continue this conversation, I would encourage you to join the Facebook group and we can do so over there. Thank you for listening, friend. I'd love to connect with you more. You can find social media links in the show notes and share this episode with a friend who could use a boost to her homeschool. See you back here real soon.